Hey everybody, this is the VR Gear Daily Podcast. It is January 5th, 2020, and you have Mark and Paul and some intro. You do do do. Today in episode four of the VR Gear Daily Podcast, we have five, count them, five awesome stories that we'd like to cover with you. We got some pistol whip updates. We got a new AR headset from Canon. Who knew? We got some new Firewall Zero Hour coming to the PlayStation. And we've got some awesome hand tracking technology that is now going to be default on your Oculus Quest. And we are also going to cover Sony closing down their own game studios that never actually produced a game. This and more in today's podcast, episode number four for the VR Gear Daily News Podcast. All right, so let's get started with the Sony closing down the Manchester studio. Uh, this studio was formerly known as the Northwest Studio, uh, founded in 2015 and has been in the same location, just changed names. Uh, they actually marked... In Manchester. In Manchester. They never produced a game or developed a game. And there's rumors going around that they actually never even helped produce a game. Wait, Manchester's in England? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, wait, hold on. That was five years ago. Yeah. What have they been doing for five years? Uh, I'm not sure, but they had a job posting just last week. <laughs> uh, a tra- we were hiring a transition manager because we're firing everybody. Yeah, so they're done. Uh, and Sony said this was part of the plan. Relocation specialist. Yeah. Uh, relocate, <laughs> gonna help us relocate relocate everyone back to their house. Oh gosh! But uh, Sony said this was a, quote part of our efforts to improve efficiency and operational effectiveness. So in short, this uh, team wasn't doing anything, and if they were doing something, it wasn't efficient or effective, and it, and it does it wasn't helping with the mission of Sony. Well, that's unfortunate. Um, we're covering this specifically because um, they were potentially going to make some VR titles for the PSVR. Yeah, uh, exclusives. Exclusives. But, I mean, is there any indication as to what caused them to fail? They could have just taken regular old PlayStation titles and ported them to VR. Right. If, if anything. Didn't. But they didn't. Well, they were just trying to make... I, I just, I'm, com- I'm confused why they I, yeah, there shut was, down there as was, part of the plan. <laughs> well, Sony thought it was part of the plan. I, I said, uh, if you go check the post out online, I said the employees probably didn't think it was part of the plan to be shut down. But uh, there was never any rumors coming out of there on what they were working on, no titles that were in the works. But uh, there was a lot of uh, resources being wasted is why I saw one of the quotes. I'm not sure if that was Sony or not. Well, they were paying for a lot of resources. I'm sure those resources didn't look at themselves as being a waste. But I can imagine if you don't have someone who's visionary, uh, ha- have a visionary that is kind of uh, beating the drum and that everyone can kind of follow, um, then it's going to be difficult to expect a team of highly creative, talented individuals to self-manage around those types of things. And so um, it's unfortunate because – it. PlayStation VR, and we talked about this uh, yesterday, the adoption for PlayStation VR is, is actually incredibly high. There's oh, very yeah. high volumes. You had mentioned yesterday, Paul, that PlayStation VR outsold all of the Xbox consoles for the holiday season. It's hilarious. And that had nothing to do with availability. Like, that wasn't like, oh, Xbox sold out in November. 
you're going to have to wait till March, like the Oculus Quest situation. There were plenty of Xboxes available for sale, but the PlayStation VR outsold all of the Xbox consoles. And that's that's an indication that we have a lot of um, PlayStation VR players out there. Oh, tons. And uh, So Iron Man VR is coming out in May. That that'll be a fun exclusive, but other than that, there aren't a lot of exclusives in the works right now. And I coming out for PlayStation yeah, VR. Yeah, for, for PlayStation VR, uh, there are a good amount of exclusives already on the platform, but nothing for people to look forward to. And with the launch of the PlayStation Five later this year, and the PlayStation Virtual Reality second version of the headset. Oh, we haven't te- we haven't talked about that. We haven't talked about that, and there's not a lot to talk about there. All we know is that it's coming out a few months after the uh, PlayStation oh, Five. You know what they need. Some way to track you from behind. Because right now they have... Inside-out uh, tracking. It, will it have inside-out tracking? It should. Oh, It'll okay. have eye tracking. I, well, eye tracking and inside-out tracking? That would be nice, wouldn't it? That would be nice. But um, right now, have you, uh, have you had the chance to do the PlayStation VR? I, I, it's, it's like the Oculus Rift, original one. Right. Except instead of having two sensors on either side to give you kind of like a triangulation... There's one sensor with like two eyeballs that sits right, like underneath your monitor, right. uh, your your uh, television, and and so what that does is it kind of limits the degrees of freedom. I guess there's nothing that's tracking behind you. Most of the gameplay has to be done facing that direction. Um, but overall, like people have been very satisfied with it, and that's why we see a, such a huge adoption. It would just be great to give that massive community of PSVR players. Something even, you know, more robust, more powerful, like Inside Out Track. It basically, right. it would be the Rift S. Yeah, that's what I bet they're aiming for with a little uh, more internal hardware. But uh, I think the reason the PlayStation is still doing so well, even though the tracking on it is so outdated. It's like is- primitive, really. It's like original Rift. Not original, original, but like the first mainstream Rift. Right. Identi- like it's identical. Even the Rift, you can go grab a third sensor so mm-hmm. that you do have 360. Put that screen. up on the wall behind you. Uh-huh. But uh, the ability to play with the DualShock controllers in a lot of these VR games is something that appeals to a lot of people. So you'll sit down with a headset on, and it's like you're inside of the game, but without having to move around to get motion sick because you're controlling your character who or whoever it is with your controller. So well, it's just like Moss. So that's, right, that was and that's a lot game. of these games. Well, you know what also I noticed, though, is that you can play any PlayStation game wearing the PSVR headset. It right. just makes it, it gives you a much larger display, and right. so you can do any of your PlayStation titles. It's like to get that same experience on desktop, you need to go get virtual desktop, mm-hmm. and you need to make sure you're working well with Steam. Sony seems to have solved the entire like problem. Like they've solved from. Wear a headset for VR, but guess what? You don't even have to take it off. If you want to just play one of your old school titles, we'll just give you a giant display. It's really nice. Now you don't even need it's a really TV. nice. You really wow. don't. You can actually, we've proved on our website before, you can operate PlayStation Virtual Reality and watch Netflix and play games all without a TV. Just plug the console into the wall and you're ready to go. Well, my goodness. Why do we even bother with all these other ones? I don't know. <laughs> no, well, there, there's a lot of other benefits, but interesting. And, okay, so PlayStation is closing their game studio, all in, all in the context of really having extremely high volumes of PlayStation VR uh, followers. I really think that this probably had to do with some internal politics. 
They must have had a bunch of really expensive creative individuals working on this that weren't being utilized properly. I would assume they are going to spin up another project that can utilize this talent. Well, there is uh, two or three different guys that worked on the Astrobot PSVR exclusive that are headed to a gaming studio owned by PlayStation in Japan. Okay. So a few of them are being relocated, and I bet those were the productive ones. Well, yeah, but, uh, uh, maybe, and maybe their teams will come along with them. Yeah, but, exactly. But yeah, bummer that they close the studio. But uh, it's good that they're us- utilizing those talents. I, overall, though, PlayStation VR has a lot of really great traction. So uh, I, I wouldn't expect this to be some sort of you know pivot away from VR, but just kind of a retooling and a regrouping so that they can uh, continue to really just crush it with their PSVR uh, platform. All right, so that is the first story. Okay, so let's talk about the second story here. Um, this one's all about Oculus Quest. We talk about Oculus a lot here. I guess there's a lot of things going on at Facebook in support of Oculus, but this one isn't just about the Oculus. This is more of a technology piece about uh, advancements in hand tracking on the Oculus Quest. Right, uh so not only did the hand tracking itself get a major update, uh, but each time you load into the Oculus Quest, once you have the V13 update installed on your Quest, you are going to uh, have hand tracking enabled already. Unless you've turned this off previously, uh, when you load into the headset, it's going to be there. Uh, if you have the controllers in your hands and you're setting up the headset and you set the controllers down and the headset detects it, which is still a little spotty, but if the headset detects the controllers have been set down, your hands will start to be tracked automatically as well. Uh, if this isn't working on your headset, it's a pretty simple fix. Go into the settings uh, menu and click on experimental, I believe, and uh, there'll be a little toggle button for hand tracking to turn it back on. Uh, but unless, again, unless you have turned that off, on purpose, it's going to be on all the time, no matter what. What kind of... Okay. Uh, awesome. It can track your hands. Uh, I can see that having some benefit in the menus. Uh, let's say you're standing there and um, the main menu, you're going to pick some titles that you're going to go jump into and play. Um, I can see it would be helpful, potentially, uh, for gaming that has just buttons that you're pressing with your virtual hands. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of game titles that require you to, like, push a button while playing, like, pull a trigger. Right. So uh, does the hand tracking pick up your finger pulling a trigger? Like, how does that work? I'm not sure how specific it is, and I'm not sure. There's not a lot of games that uh, have hand tracking right now. The ones that do are really bare minimum. The biggest game that... uh, And the biggest incorporation of hand tracking we've seen so far is in Tea of God or something along those lines. But it's a side quest title... Uh, we're not interested in side questing and side loading a game onto our quest. Wait, so, so we have side. Uh, wait, this is an unofficial. This is an unofficial uh, game from. It's not officially supported, but no, it Facebook didn't the, allow it. But it has the, <laughs> Yeah. So one of the few titles that supports hand tracking is not officially supported on the Oculus Quest. All right, fantastic. Uh, okay, we'll we'll give that a shot today. We'll. we'll uh, We'll get in. This this update just barely dropped, and so um, we're we're charging up the quest. We are loading in, and we're gonna see how many titles, or if there are any titles that once you get into the game, you can do hand tracking. I would assume, though, like we talked about yesterday, the Oculus for business. There's a lot of situations in a business context where you don't need to pull the trigger 
to actually get the job done. In fact, I would assume there'd be situations where you're highlighting something on like a shared uh, spreadsheet or you're showing something in a slideshow or, you know, you're opening up a web browser and you're sharing a website with somebody. And all of those interactions don't need a trigger. You don't need to pull a trigger to interact with those things. Simply using your hands in a virtual space. I would assume this hand tracking work is going uh, hand in hand, no pun intended, but hand in hand with the business, uh, Oculus for business efforts. And right. once that gets ironed out, it'll be a lot easier and more natural for people to jump into VR without having to, hey, where did you put that controller? I don't know, it was in the filing cabinet. Ah, dang it, we can't do our meeting now because we don't have the controllers. Oh, to the rescue, Oculus Quest has hand tracking. We're good to go. No controller required, maybe. Right, like you said, I really doubt the uh, hand tracking is going to be the future of gaming. Uh, and if it is, they'll need to incorporate some type of like gun or uh, a device that you get with your game. But even then, that seems a step backwards well, from PlayStation where we are. Has, so well, like, PlayStation has like uh, dummy prop type things, right? Like you can buy a a gun. Uh, I mean, for regular PlayStation games, but you can also use it in VR. That can be tracked, and you can use that in the in the games that you play. Right, but it's just that you slide your controller into the. It's really just a, another way to aim your weapon. It isn't an no, but it's helpful. Like, yeah, no, it is. It you, is. You've it's a played idea. with like the Valve Index and in uh, what's it going to like Gun Club or uh, what's the other like Pavlov, where you're holding like a, a, an assault rifle, and the game requires you to hold on to. The barrel and, you know, put your hand on the, the trigger. And right. so you have your hand staggered one in front of the other. And aiming, it's, like, really just kind of wonky because there's nothing that you're doing. Like, you can't hold the butt of the gun against your chest because it doesn't exist. Your hands are just floating in right. space. And so if in that situation, if VR did a much better job, especially in outside-in tracking, did a much better job of recreating a virtual representation of what you are holding in your hand, okay? Now, you don't need to have special markers or even put your controller into it. It just looks at it. If it can track your hands, it can track like a dummy assault rifle right. if you're going to be playing these games. And then it can say, you know what? I know that you're holding an assault rifle. Then the only problem to solve next is whether or not you're pulling the trigger. And if if the gun is shaped in a way that it can't see your finger, then we got new problems. But that is something that would allow hand tracking to be the primary input, and then you just go grab the appropriate prop for that game. If you're going to play virtual ping pong, grab a wouldn't paddle. it make sense to have a ping pong paddle in your hand? It's a, it's a lot Rather more Rather than a Rift controller, which it doesn't feel like I don't a know if pong. you've ever held one, <laughs> is the opposite of a ping pong paddle. You're holding it with like three fingers, and it's kind of twisted. Well, yeah, well, I mean, even in games like Beat Saber, every single controller, except for the PSVR controller, every single one, I, I rotate it and hold it in a way that that controller was not supposed to be held in. Right. Because it is, it, it feels more like a sword handle when it's rotated slightly. Mm-hmm. A, a big time with, like, the index controllers. Um, and with the uh, the Rift controllers, not the Rift, the Oculus Touch controllers, I always slide them a little bit forward out of my hand so, I, so I'm not accidentally hitting the buttons because, you know, that pauses the game. So uh, if there were Beat Saber-specific handles, like, that felt like a lightsaber like handle. Even just, like, holding a marker or something. Well, it's yeah, a little bit thicker, but right. more like the handle of a sword, hopefully super light because 
heavier controllers make gameplay a little bit more difficult. But that could possibly be what the future of hand tracking plus gaming could be instead of saying these controllers work for every game. I don't know. All that to say, I think hand tracking has big applications in a business context, less so today in the gaming context because you don't have the inputs that are normal inside of a game. You don't have joysticks. How do you rotate with just your hands? Like, you like grab the earth and spin it? Like, what exactly? Maybe they have created gestures like you alluded to the other day. Who knows? Like, gesture for moving. Like, a whole new interaction paradigm that nobody knows how to use. Because uh, no one's talked about that. A gesture-based input system on the Oculus Quest. Oh, this is, you know, a sub-feature that we won't tell you details about. Uh, anyway, but all that to say, Oculus Quest now has hand tracking as a fallback interaction method if your controller's like battery dies or you set them down and you still would like to control VR. Pretty cool. Yeah. Use cases are probably uh, more media reserved focused. to like you know just like for now media until consumption business or business released. stuff or whatever the case is. But now uh, we'll have more information on that as we poke around and play with it today so that is uh story number two oculus quest touch input story number three for today is canon has released their second ar headset i didn't realize they had a first one uh, and that's likely because uh, gen one of their ar headsets which was called the mreal display md10 came in at a Price ta- uh, came in with a price tag of eighty two thousand uh, dollars. I don't I don't understand uh, e- even in the enterprise context. I don't understand why eighty two thousand dollars was like the magic number. So so it actually wasn't eighty. It never sold in the U S. So the dollars. Uh, Did you convert them from yen or, or yeah? So it was. Is it eighty two thousand yen? No no no. So so <laughs> so it, it, so it converted 000. to like eighty two thousand three hundred and something. So I just rounded to eighty two thousand. But uh, oh, so okay, it was eighty two thousand dollars. Yeah yeah the the equivalent in the U S. But again, it never sold in the U S. So maybe Japanese. We we I've never been there. Have in, you ever in, been to Japan? In wealthier countries, uh, you know, everywhere else in the world where people pay eighty two thousand dollars for a single headset. What did it even do? So it was uh, the way. The translation was kind of funny, but the way uh, Toyota said they used it was to make business decisions on manufacturing uh, details in real time and like with a headset, which was really good for a 2016 AR headset. Uh, Obviously, the technology has advanced a lot since then, and we doubt that the price point is going to stay near that. Um, But again, it's still going to be for the same companies, for the same... uh, work cases but this headset has the md20 is the new one and that has a few different upgrades uh it will have a field of view that goes up from 60 by 40 to 70 by 40 Uh, not a huge difference but you'll be able to tell if you've worn the two different headsets um it's going to be tethered so uh watch out for that you're not going to be taking this down the hallway with you you got to keep it with your PC. Okay, and... you, you know what? Okay, you, there's another company out of Japan that um, also attempted a VR headset at one point. It wasn't an AR headset. Uh, this this small um, you know, niche <laughs> unknown name 
some people might have heard of it. Nintendo. You've heard of Nintendo, I've right? I've heard of Nintendo. You they have, have a, uh, they have the Labo headset. For for those of you unfamiliar with Nintendo, um, they make things like a game console uh, called Nintendo. And they made a character and a series of characters called Mario and Peach and there's They a, made the Wii, a, a which toad. was let me say this real quick. The Wii was ahead of its time. If it came out today, the Wii would be regarded as the best gaming console in the world. Wait. That thing is so fun. Wait, what? Oh, yes. the one that had the actual controller, not the the sticks? Or no, the sticks. Like, Why? Wii Sports. Like, it gets people out of their seats. No, and... that's not what we want. We've already talked. Oh, we yeah, I forgot. No one wants to move. My no, bad. Excuse yeah. me. Gaming shouldn't require you to get up out of your seat and stand on your two legs. That's what the gym is for. And also, stop bringing the gym into virtual reality. Let's just keep these things separate. We don't have to do... We don't have to mash everything so together So last all the night... Time. I'll just tell a quick story. Last night, I sent a picture to Mark around midnight 30. Uh, yeah. It was such a bad picture, he didn't respond. But it was a picture of this guy wearing a VR headset while on a rotating beam doing an ab workout. And it said, VR fitness question mark, we have you covered. You know what? That is an ad. It was a Google ad. And I want to tell you this. I was scrolling through a website the other day, and that ad came up for me. I was like, oh, "Oh, I'm going to take a screenshot and send it to Paul. This was two days ago. No, because when I scroll back up, it was replaced by some dude that's like, hey, do you want to take my course and give me money? I was like, no, how do I get this ad back? It was the first time I wanted to see an ad. But it is like this guy's. It's like he's on one of those. I don't even know what it's called, but it, it's like it looks flight like simulator. It's, yeah, flight simulating for an ab workout. I don't know in VR with a big black box on top of your head while you sweat. I would say though, this is more natural than uh, Rush VR, where like okay, you the game say that okay, the game tells you to stand up on your two feet and then stick your. <laughs> this is like a really bad dream where you're like I dreamed that I was flying. Like really, <laughs> like how are you flying? Like, I was behind it. I was flying forward. And my legs were, you know, perpendicular to the ground. They weren't parallel to the ground, so I wasn't flying like Superman. I was flying like a, like a, like Iron Man, like an idiot. No, not even like Iron Man. Iron Man's hovers right there. So I was flying there with my arms forward and my legs pointing down. I was like, that's not how you fly. The 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 drag would be way too much. You couldn't go very fast. It's like, yeah, but that's how you fly when you're dreaming. Oh. Okay, well, then they said, let's make a video game around this. We'll call it Rush VR. It's going to be about skydiving. It won't even be on the PC. Just a VR headset. Just a freaking VR headset. Okay, so you're you're in this game. And then to, oh, just like remembering the game gives me like motion sick. I feel sick just thinking I'm about gonna it. I'm going to throw up. You're, you're, you're skydiving. So first of all, like you're going down at like a 45-degree angle toward the ground. But again, you're standing vertical. You're standing straight up, and your arms are out in front of you. So first of all, you are totally disoriented. Then, in order to steer, you don't lean your body. You just move your hands. Or you can move your head if you really want to, like... Okay. If you really are, like, trying to get in a caloric deficit, you can just move your head, and that will take care of everything for you. Well, yeah, that's a lot of effort. Uh, so you can use your arms, which the game requires you to hold your arms out in front of you suspended for the entire level... Like, like, the whole, like, input method is just, like, ridiculous. So, hold your arms out. Yeah, and you're like, my arms are getting tired. It's like, well, you're going to fail the level. Like, this is all about strength, or I don't know what it's about. Then, you're like, okay, I'm getting used to the mechanics, the movement method here. I don't think I'll get as sick. You can get used to it. But at the very end of the level, you pull the parachute, and all of a sudden, the movement physics just change on you 
unannounced. And your parachute poles and any of the movements that you were doing while skydiving are now being translated and exaggerated. And you all of a sudden become inverted and you're looking at the sky and you've lost all sense of orientation and location in the world. And at that that's the point you take the headset off and you go, what did I just do? Oh. Let's play another. That's awful. Uh, but we do have to be careful. Uh, if you look at the Steam comments and the Steam reviews, Rush has such a high review rating, and people love it. They're like, I've never been able to do this, but VR gave me the capabilities. Like, I don't think you know what skydiving is, because this is nothing like it. Well, they, you can hear wind rushing past your helmet. Oh, we, yeah. did do, we did do um, a review of this one in our 100-100 uh, VR game reviews on our YouTube channel. You can go check that out. We did review it. We did talk about all the motion sickness issues there. The landscape was cool. It, it really is kind of a cool concept to to skim the the edge of a mountain. Uh, the concept is awesome, but it's it, it probably wasn't best placed in a VR headset. And I would have loved to play it on the console, like uh, with a controller. That'd be a fun. And then like you land, and then it turns into Call of Duty. And actually, even like Activision a, made the game. Yeah, even like a smartphone, like where you're like tilting your phone to, you know. Well, there's games like that, and they're fun. Yeah, they're you great. Can do it that way, but I mean, I mean, it's just when you get immersed. When you get immersed like this, it, it it ends up not so great. Anyway, but this is a total tangent. We are talking about the Canon AR headset. It's the Mreal. Uh, what MD ten was the, the well MD ten yeah. was the eighty two thousand version. The new one, which is MD twenty, is the one we don't have a price point on, but it does uh, have some pretty awesome uh, specs, some pretty impressive specs. Um, I don't think it's a full AR where it's uh, you know you have a lens and then it projects on the lens. I think it's pass through. It's a pass through technology where you have cameras on the outside and then they overlay right. So it captures the world, and then it adds some digital overlay. Kind of like the Lynx headset we talked about. Um, but I do, I do want to point this out. The reason that I brought up Nintendo is because, the what is this? The MD, uh, this is the MD, that's the, this is the new one. The one, yeah. Okay, so what I'm looking at here is um, a picture of the MD20 where instead of it being strapped to your head, you hold it. With, there's two handles, and so you're able to hold hold the device with these two handles that extend downward from the uh, the display, and you hold them, and you can hold it up against your face to look at something, but only temporarily, right? It's kind of like, um, you know, those masquerade balls where you're, like, you're yeah. holding the mask with, like, a stick, and you put it in front of your face when you wanted to have it there, and then you can remove it when you don't. It's that type of concept, it seems like, but it's got two handles because there's no headset that we know of that would be uh, light enough to hold it with just one handle. But that that's that's a picture I'm looking at here. Um but it does have some pretty impressive specs. It's got um, you know, 2560 by 1600 per eye resolution. Um, and the, the field of view isn't as impressive as like the, the index. Uh, but No, the- but it's an AR headset. And for an AR headset, it does pretty well. Um, if you want more information about this headset and uh, you're a business looking to get something like this, uh, it's going to be shown off a lot, and the price is going to be revealed, and the release date is going to be revealed at the Mak- Makuhari Messi in Japan that's taking place from the 26th to the 28th of February. So keep an eye out for that. Um, we'll write about it again leading up to it. Just remind everybody if they're interested in it. They can, uh, there'll probably be a live stream there. You can check it out. But uh, it, It's exciting for a 
really select group of people. Yeah, for a narrow set. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Canon is known for you know image quality, image capture. So they're a camera company. They do some cool stuff. All right, so that is story number three, Canon. Story number four is about Firewall Zero Hour. This is coming to the PlayStation Plus members with a Black Dawn update. Uh, this is a pretty popular title on PlayStation. Uh, yeah, I think it's one of, if not the most popular PlayStation uh, exclusive. Um, it's not on the PC. It's not on the Quest. So if you have a PlayStation Virtual Reality headset, you can get this game for free uh, up until the 2nd of March. So what you'll do is uh, subscribe for PlayStation Plus. If you haven't already, you can get that for $9.99 a month, $25 for four months, or $60 for a year, which is a bargain because this game is $20, right? So if you download it before the end of February, you can keep this game forever. It's in your library. Uh even if you cancel your subscription, it'll still be in your library. And with the Black Dawn update, you're going to be getting a few new contractors, a few new weapons, and a new map called the Oil Rig, which is exciting for people that love this game. Fantastic. Well, uh, and this is something that will um, support 4 and 4 team battles, um, which is a lot like uh, some sort of Battle Royale context. Um, but... In VR, I mean, we keep seeing, and maybe we can go back into Pavlov because uh, we played it about a month ago, but that one has also been promising like multiplayer real time, but it, it's challenging to do multiplayer real time in VR, I think. Um, maybe, but it, it doesn't make sense to me why it is difficult to do multiplayer VR. You know, uh, not Sorrento, it was the um, Air Ranger. Air Ranger. That was actually, a fun one. That was a great game. Oh, gosh. Well, okay. Let you me know, read. it's awesome. It was, it, was they, a, it was a really well done game. It was well done, and it, it did exactly what it promised. Um, I, I, I just recall the tutorial. It was kind of jarring, where they give you an arrow. It's like, okay, practice shooting your arrow. And then it, it's like, okay, I practice. Like, now shoot this person in front of you. I was like, am I executing him? It's like, no, just practice shooting your arrow. And they had a human target. And, and then, just hit and the then, guy in the forehead. It's and then, fine. Then the second one was like, now shoot this exploding arrow at that crowd of people down there. I'm like, they're not even attacking me. Why? <laughs> Why is this part of the tutorial? Okay. That aside, that it, but that game, Air Ranger, is a, is a real-time multiplayer game. You are playing against other people who are also playing Air Ranger from around the world. So this, um, it makes sense. And I think a lot of multiplayer games... Uh, don't suffer from the technology supporting multiplayer. I think the problem you have is like how many people are playing this oh, in VR title. You, you'll find a game, and let's say you get one from the Vive Port subscription. Subs, the Vive the Vive Port Vive Port subscription. Yes. Thank you. The Vive Port subscription. Infinity, subscri it's, Vive Port Infinity, Infinity yes. subscription. If you get a game from there and it says it supports multiplayer, odds are it doesn't. And what we mean by that is you'll load in and you'll try to play a game with some players from around the world. And if you're lucky, you'll get one, maybe two players in your lobby. Uh, usually that isn't enough for a full game. But PlayStation has, like we said earlier, a huge following, especially for their virtual reality headset. Uh, so these four-on-four -four games, they fill up fast. They're fun. They're engaging. The new map is going to be fun. We have yet to try it out. But uh, we're hearing great things about it already. Um, but it, it's a great deal, especially for PlayStation Plus members. You get this game for free if you didn't have it already. Uh, download it. stays inside of your library forever. And that's about it for Firewall, right? 
Uh, yeah. Well, awesome. I, I'm, I'm anxious to give this one a shot. Pun intended that time. There you go. All right. For our final story today, we are talking about a new Pistol Whip level. This game on launch day was crazy popular. Um, I don't know if the popularity has remained high, but there was a massive amount of people that jumped in, played every level, and one of the things that I really loved about this game was the leaderboard, the global leaderboard, and maybe I liked it because I was top 10 for the first 12 hours the game was released. Maybe that's why I liked it so much. Maybe, maybe not. But I think that's a really cool part about this game. I know there is a Beat Saber global leaderboard, but it, it's, it's like hidden inside of different um, areas of the game. Right, it's not public. It's, well, and it's not like right there in front of you before you play any level. So I, I really like that about Pistol Whip. And so when they bring out new scenes, there's an incentive for people to jump in, give it a shot, and try, <laughs> give it a shot, and try to rank in the global leaderboards. Um, but for this one... What's so awesome about this new scene? This uh, Akuma? Something like that. Whatever you say. So it's uh, the song is made by HVDES. I'm not sure if there's a better acronym for them. But uh, it's not their first song in Pistol Whip. But uh, it will be released tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, or Pacific Time, or however you want to say that. Yeah, whether it's standard or daylight or whatever. Pacific Time... 10 a.m., uh, and it's going to be free. So jump in the game, download it. Uh, it's just going to be a quick update, and you get this new song. Uh, and that's not even the most exciting part. So the trailer obviously looks great, but uh, someone responded to the tweet with the trailer and said, Pistol Whip adding the fun. Rapid fire. Super excited, right? And then Pistol Whip responded and said, New updates are coming every month each including a new free scene leading up to E3 2020. So E3 is taking place in June, so that means we're probably going to get four, maybe five new songs in between now and then. Uh, Something we highlighted in the article is Pistol Whip uh, had a great launch day, like you said, Mark, but it seems to have fallen off a little bit, and I think, personally, that has to do with the artist they're choosing. And this is no knock against the artists they already have, but you see Beat Saber getting some big names. Green Day, one of the biggest bands uh, yeah, from it, its time. Like several decades of successful music. And then you have other, other bands like uh, Imagine Dragons. And yeah, you can go out and grab any music from any band and you can load that into Beat Saber. But um, these, the, the officially supported ones are still like very mainstream popular artists. And I think what we would love to see and I think what game developers should really internalize is that their taste in music doesn't necessarily have to dictate the music that they put into their game titles. They, they can't, uh, people that are making technology, making games, making experiences, they can't only think about what they themselves would like to see in a game. It is a great way to start for sure. Like the concept of Pistol Whip is awesome. And the first tracks are awesome, but it, in a way, it feels like Pistol Whip developers couldn't partner with people that had really popular music uh, because maybe they didn't have the budget for it. It, it. it cheapens the experience, and it sounds weird, but it cheapens the experience when a game can't uh, bring in some mainstream uh, music into the game. 
Right, and there's a wide variety of virtual reality users that love this heavy EDM that has been inside of Pistol Whip. But there's also another group inside of VR that isn't really into that kind of music and would love to see, whether it be Imagine Dragons or Justin Bieber, someone <laughs> that uh, well, the, the problem is the game audience in. Yeah, but the, the what what we've run into is the game developers. They they could like turn up their nose and be like, we would never partner with someone like Justin Bieber. We don't we don't like his music. And you're like, well, who cares what you like? Your fans might like it. I'm not saying that I personally like Justin Bieber, but I do have respect for the fact that he is a musician and he has a massive following. Right. Can you bring those people into VR? Can you convince those millions of people around the world to play your game because you partnered with him? Not because you like you're too prideful to admit that you interacted with Justin Bieber music to even put it into a game, even though you you could make a million dollars off it. Right, and it, it's, <laughs> it's silly because you look at uh, Beat Saber, and like we've written so many different articles about Beat Saber, and each time we highlight the fact that Beat Saber pulls people into the into VR itself, not just into the game, but. People will like ask me about virtual reality and be like, well, I want to try it, and I want to try Beat Saber. Okay, Panic at the Disco and Huge. Uh, what is it? Uh, Greatest Showman? Okay, that movie, like, okay, I don't like musicals. Why not? Oh, it's not my thing. Fantastic. You know who does like musicals? I don't know. A big A number lot. of people. A lot. Who liked, yeah, uh, who liked The Greatest Showman in the movie? A uh, lot of people, like, but if if you don't have anyone at your your game developer company that liked it, then I don't know. What are you sheepish? Because it's like I don't want to be labeled as liking something that isn't cool around here. Come on, like do what the market wants, do what people like, and you can't have this lack of introspection and lack of appreciation of the market dynamics, and then be frustrated if your numbers don't explode, like. Do something incredibly mainstream, but do it better than everybody else. Well, and Pistol Whip is that. It's a fantastic game. It's an awesome game. But I love Pistol Whip. And my I, thighs hurt a lot. I couldn't walk the next day. Your son couldn't walk the next day. So funny. He comes in from school. He's like, oh, I don't know why. I, he's like, I don't know why. But I couldn't walk all day. And I laughed because I knew why. Because there's you know, a tweet storm on it. Like People are like, ha-ha, how are your legs on day two? It's like, right. I can't walk. He didn't know why. I explained it to him. And then he's like, oh, okay, makes sense. Yeah. But it's an awesome game. The game mechanics are unparalleled. It really is up there with Beat Saber. But if they can't pull in music titles that keep people like glued to it. like EDM's awesome, but... It's not the same as like doing like, you know, Africa from Toto. Like, you just, right. I don't know if like that would be a good uh, yeah. Obviously, game to map. I mean, something I was thinking is but emotionally some, attached to the song. Right, and the, some of the reasons I get inside of Beat Saber so often is because the music. I love Imagine Dragons, and I also grew up listening to Green Day. So it. <laughs> Do you, I find myself when I hear like one of the Imagine Dragon songs on the radio, my hands just start uh, like playing the map. I I don't know why. No, I do know why. But it, it causes you to – Green Day said this. They wanted their fans to experience their music in a more immersive way. Right. Now, I don't know, like, if you're trying to get EDM artists, like, mainstream. I don't know. But there are bands that want to push the envelope with interactivity of the music that they're already making and giving them the opportunity to uh, push their music out on into a game like Pistol Whip 
They would love that opportunity because it allows their fans to experience a more immersive version of their music. And so you become a platform for musicians to do some really cool, meaningful stuff. I could not have said that better myself. We should just send it there. Like it, it, <laughs> it seems simple. Like if you've listened to trap music before, it's very similar to EDM except for it feels like rap, but it really isn't. But that uh, type of music would also work inside of the game. Like, there's so many different routes. Yeah, you have to do Cloudhead song. games could go yeah. with. You got to do uh, genres and let people and, and and have no pride around what ends up in your game. Like, just do what the fans want. Do what the fans want. And I'm not saying we want Justin Bieber. Uh, we don't care uh, about adding him. But there are probably a bunch of people that would, and you could pull them into Pistol Whip in a way that was really fun and uh, immersive. Anyway, that's it. That wraps it up. Those are the five news stories for today. It's been fun on February 5th, 2020. And this has been your VR Gear Daily Podcast. We will talk to you tomorrow. Goodbye.